0: Plugs SensCast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson, joining me as always from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta. My co-host, Tim Jansey. Tim, how's it going, man?
1: Been going pretty good, pretty good. Just keeping myself busy, but uh yeah, looking forward to it. Well, let's rephrase that. We have some hockey to talk about, some weird sense to talk about. Are yep. we looking forward to having to talk about this at this point in the season? No,
0: no, but I think that we are gonna have. We are looking forward to be talking about some good stuff throughout the week, though. Oh, for sure. And I am very excited to do today's episode, and I did not realize this until the episode was edited yesterday. That last week's episode, it was third line plug SenseCast's two hundred and fiftieth official episode. And that's going to be the cover athlete for today's episode, season seven, episode four in chronological order, episode 154. I know it's a shameless plug, Tim, but you know what? The fact is that I saw that and I was like, oh my God, we hit 250.
1: Yeah. And it's kind of crazy to think about it. But then you realize, oh, wait, we're on season seven, season six or season season seven, season seven.
0: Yeah. What? Which one out of those two seems crazy to you? The fact that we're in seventh season or we hit 250 episodes?
1: The number with more zeros attached seems crazier. I know they're the same, but...
0: Yeah. Yeah, but it just goes to show the body of work that we've been able to do over the last six years. I mean, not even through just our mainline episodes, but our summer episodes, our season previews, our COVID episodes, interviews... All kinds of great stuff.
1: Yeah. And hopefully we'll be able to continue to do so.
0: Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And you know what? I'm really looking forward to in next. We cover out the, uh, for next week's episode, Season 7, Episode 5, and Chronologic Order, Episode 155. And one thing that we were talking about is that we usually do the polls, but with certain people, you can kind of tell where the poll and the votes would go to. So for next week's episode, Sergey Gonchar. Is going to be the cover athlete,
1: and that's going to be a fun one to talk about. Just because he was in Ottawa for kind of the beginning of that, up one year, down another year. Yeah, and I definitely think he did have a pretty big impact on Eric Carlson as well.
0: He did, and it's one of those impacts that I think kind of goes under the radar a bit when talking about the Sens. But I mean Sergey Gonchar's Gondry- career. Overall, I think you can honestly make an argument. It kind of went a little bit under the radar. Oh, yeah. Comparatively to the people that were in the NHL.
1: Mm -hmm. And it'll be fun to talk about next week.
0: Yeah, but unfortunately, that's going to be for next week's episode. But for this week's episode, I got to ask the question, Tim. Halloween just passed. Uh Uh-huh. How was your guys' Halloween?
1: It was good. Surprisingly. Well, maybe not surprisingly, given how it was like. Snow was out, but it wasn't super cold, but we only got like 20 trick-or-treaters.
0: Really? Yeah. It is what it is. Seems kind of crazy because, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but you guys have a fairly good number of families in the neighborhood, don't you? Yeah, like
1: it's a fairly young neighborhood, but yeah, I guess just too cold. And other people were saying they were getting less trick-or-treaters than they usually do when I was talking to people at church, so I think it's just a down year.
0: Yeah, well, what do you know about... There's this term that's been going around called trunk-or-treating. Have you heard about this?
1: No, I haven't.
0: So, apparently... Now, I had never heard about this until this year, and I was seeing some people on social media talking about it. Apparently, it's an alternative to trick-or-treating where parents parents and guardians gather their vehicles in one spot, typically in a parking lot, and they just give out candy that way.
1: So, is this because, like, parents are afraid of, like, knocking on random people's doors or like what's the rationale here
0: i don't know and i think it's one of those things where maybe it's a maybe they don't want to do that maybe it's an anxiety thing i'm not too sure though like to me because like when we were growing up we knocked on people's doors and we did it
1: yeah and it's not like crime has gone up over the last 10 years right it's mostly either flat or down so i don't really get what's going on there One thing, at least in my neck of the woods, that might have impacted things is uh, the local area association had a uh, haunted house from five to eight, which is kind of those prime trick or treat hours, when I think the intention was, okay, kids are going to be walking around, they can stop in, walk through the haunted house and go and maybe that just pulled people away.
0: That could be that could be I mean, honestly, yeah, if there was a haunted house, I would have probably gone.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then we're kind of a bit further away from that, so maybe people would have gone to the haunted house and then trick-or-treated around the haunted house instead of in our neck, and that could have been one of the push-pull factors.
0: Maybe, because when you were living just down the road from where I am now, like, what was that like? Did you guys get a lot of trick-or-treats at that time? We did.
1: But then again, like, our, our neighborhood was known as being somewhat affluent, so you'd have people from other neighborhoods drive up, even though it was, like, the distance between houses was larger and it was very hilly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You'd have people come. Exactly. That's what we found this year because we only got 16.
1: Yeah. Well, you guys are really far up the hill.
0: Yeah. And that was one of the things that Katrina and I were talking about. We were just like, maybe for next year, because we got like the, you know, the little snack size bars and whatever. And I said, we should have just gone to the dollar store, got the full size pop and candy and stuff and handed it out that way.
1: Yeah. The other thing that I'm start I do wonder about is so Halloween is a very regional holiday, specifically to Canada and the United States. And with a lot of almost all of Canada's population growth coming from immigration, especially immigration from Europe and uh, Southeast a- South Asia, Southeast Asia. I wonder if it's like a lot of people just don't know what Halloween is. Yeah, but, And they don't participate one way and the other. And then there's enough houses that because Halloween Halloween's just not a thing they do, don't give out candy, that people are like, ah, why bother? Well, yeah. And just don't go out.
0: No, that's fair. I mean, I guess if you're new to Canada and you don't really understand maybe what Halloween is and that sort of aspect, I get that. But I would imagine that at a certain point, you know, you're – you know, you're new to the country, you want to try and learn what we're like, our culture, that's something that...
1: I think that's probably something that would happen if, like, you have school-age children in schools and, uh, like, that might that might be one thing, but for, like, a lot of young professionals that are immigrating, like, age 20 to 25, they don't have kids, uh, depending what sort of TV they TV they watch, even, like, watching North American TV, you just might never hear about Halloween, right? So it's, like, it's one of those things where it's, like, I wonder if it's just kind of lost in the shuffle. And then you have that trunk or treat as well. And you just get enough people that aren't at their door. answering trick or treaters that enough people are like, you know what? Screw this. There's no point me and my kids walking around. I'll do
0: something else. Yeah. But I found even a lot of the neighborhoods around here didn't even put up decorations or anything this year.
1: Yeah. I noticed that as well. Hmm. It'd be sad if Halloween just kind of went by the wayside, you know?
0: Right. And I actually saw a meme and it made me laugh. It says, you got to give up to Halloween as it's the only thing holding Christmas back from taking everything over.
1: Okay. This is something I noticed in Calgary. About halfway through October, I started seeing Christmas stuff on sale. I didn't even really see Halloween stuff until the pumpkins came in around mid to late October. And commercialized Christmas, not even the real Christmas here, it's kind of eaten everything. And that really feels like something that happened during the pandemic. Like, I remember going to Safeway in, like, 2020 and just seeing Christmas stuff in September.
0: Yeah, I've noticed that, too. I know that even Costco does that, too, right? Costco will have their Christmas stuff up in late, mid, late September. And it's like, dude, like, Halloween's not even here.
1: Like honestly, I'm guessing whoever's crunching the numbers and formulating business strategy has noticed something.
0: yeah, they're noticing that Christmas is the bigger seller,
1: yeah, but man, don't wreck things for the rest of us.
0: yeah, I think that the only thing for me, and I do understand people's gripes with the Christmas decorations and stuff is that is when you put it up in the first week of November, honestly, I'm a big believer is that the Christmas stuff should go up after Remembers Day. Pretty happy with the
1: rule in the U.S. Christmas decorations don't go up until Santa Claus has walked down Fifth Avenue.
0: See, now I like this. This is actually a good thing that the Americans might be on. The Americans are on this something here.
1: Yeah. The Macy's Parade is when Christmas season starts.
0: Yeah, I wonder, you know, because we were talking about like... New people coming to Canada and North America as a I wonder if they if they would look at the Macy's Day's Parade and be like, "What the heck is this?" Or do you, or do you think that's something that's maybe universal?
1: They might look at that and be like, "What is this?" But I think with it attached to a holiday, you could put two and two together.
0: Yeah, I guess so. like
1: Halloween, it it's not like American Thanksgiving. It's attached to a day off. The NFL sells the crap out of that. Black Fridays advertises, this is the day to start your holiday shopping. Yeah. Like all of this, like the commercial and the cultural marketing is all in, and messaging is all in alignment. Well, Halloween, not really anymore, especially because like Halloween itself is attached to a Christian holiday that most people, like a Christian uh, feast day that most people don't even recognize All Saints, All Souls Day. And Halloween just kind of happened to grow out of that. So, and nobody really re- really remembers the All Saints All Souls days outside of the church. Yeah. So if the kind of, that commercial side of it starts to fall away, and the cultural side is, eh, maybe this isn't worth it anymore, it, it is at risk of disappearing.
0: Yeah, and it'd be a shame, right? Because I know that there are people out there that really enjoy it. I'm I'm fi- I I I come fine with Halloween it was if to disappears, though. I think it's it was more fun for the
1: kids. And it was definitely one of those things where it's this really nice that it was a nice community integration sort of thing. Yeah. Cuz you got out you at least got to see your neighbors and it allowed for an opportunity opportunity of shared altruism where you're giving the neighborhood kids candy, they were giving your kids candy. And it kind of just bonded things together.
0: Yeah, and a lot of neighborhoods don't do block parties, so. Yeah,
1: we should do a block party. That'd be fun.
0: (laughs) See, there you go, Tim. I just gave you a good idea for your guys' neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I actually, you know, speaking about social media, I did see something on there the other day, and I wanted to bring this to your attention. Have you ever heard of The Sphere? No. Okay, so in Las Vegas, I think it's at the MGM Grand or it's somewhere on the las vegas strip they have this thing called the sphere so it's like a 360 dome and they have like a light show and whatever and they'll have bands play there Yeah, the that's one, sick the reason why i bring this up is because one of the first bands to do it was u2 it
1: makes sense they're all about the spectacle right
0: yeah and i was uh, i think george stromperlopoulos was doing stuff on instagram about it and he was showing some of the footage and stuff of it and it seems so cool and i know that you're a big u2 guy is now given that i've just let you know this is this possibly a bucket list thing for you to see the sphere with u2
1: yeah if they ever go back
0: yeah that would be cool you know because a lot of las vegas does a lot of residents like a lot of resident acts yeah i wonder if the sphere becomes one of those
1: well that'd be cool
0: yeah, because like you two, like uh, you've seen you two, you've always vouched for you two live. They would be really good. Oh, I'm trying to think who else would be really good doing that. I could see some electronic acts do it. I could see yeah. that or EDM. Oh, I think the Sphere would be cool. I'd like to see the Sphere. Yeah, yeah, we should do the Sphere. Yeah, so I gotta say, man, there's not really a ton for me to update this week. I got to do a great episode with Adam on our podcast, Three Ghosts, No Four Ghosts Podcast. It was really good. It was one of those episodes where we were talking and we were doing our usual stuff. And then it just became like a third plug episode where it goes so off the rails that it oh, became no. really funny. <laughs> But, you know, we had a good time, and I was just laughing. I'm like, oh, my God, this is so bad. Because I got to <laughs> break out the Kessel impression. Adam really loves the Kessel impression, so I got to do that again. <laughs> and we were just messing around. We were joking about – Um, I know that you probably don't know who the Tea Party is, but their lead singer, Jeff Martin, has got this really, like, deep voice. You know, he kind of sounds like this. Uh, okay. Kind of like that. He kind of has, like, that kind of voice. And so we were – We were just messing around on the podcast, talking about him as a National Geographic narrator. (laughs) It was so stupid. It was just like, on this day on the National Geographic, we're going to be seeing as the lion is in the grass, creeping up on the antelope. You know, crap like that, right? Yeah. It was just like stream of consciousness sort of shit. So, ah, good stuff. Good stuff. Now, it's also good stuff, Tim. It's this little segment into this segment I like to call Top of the Hour. So, Tim, the nice thing about Top of the Hour this week is that at least we got some good news stories. I mean, in fairness, we got a sense story that's not good to talk about, but we're going to start off with... Ontario's other franchise, the Toronto Leafs, because their forward, William Nylander, became the first player in franchise history to begin the season with a nine-game point streak at the time of this recording. And I might be wrong. I believe he's at 10 games now.
1: Yeah, I believe he is as well. And uh, they are playing against Tampa Bay tonight. Not a very good game so far, but what will... It's really hard to string nine games together with a point streak. Pushing it to 10 is kind of wild. And yeah. I remember when we watched Connor Brown do it a couple of years ago in Ottawa. And they're just fun to
0: watch. So uh I oh, hope fans I can enjoy it. My God, I completely forgot about that now that you mentioned this. Yeah, and just looking at the box score, it does not appear. Yeah, it appears it's gonna be broken. He's got zero points, but then it's in the second period still. Yeah. So
1: I mean it's four two. Who knows what'll happen.
0: Yeah, it's true. I mean a 4 2 game is scary when you got the firepower like Toronto does. So
1: actually, I think Toronto just scored might have scored again, which uh, is good for my fantasy team.
0: It's always about your fantasy team, isn't it, Tim?
1: Oh man. Last week went so bad. The worst part is is if I had takes players off the bench on one night, I would have won.
0: That's... Oh my god, I know, I know, eh?
1: Yeah. Way she goes.
0: Exactly. So we got a couple of congratulations we got to give. We're going to start off with Pittsburgh Penguins captain Sidney Crosby, who played in his 1200th game versus the San Jose Sharks. That 10 to one loss, and I will add right here, the San Jose Sharks became the fourth team to have consecutive losses of 10 or more goals,
1: or the first the first team to do so since the 1960s, mind you.
0: You know, for all of the stuff that we're going to be talking about, the Sens tonight, I live by the notion, at least we're not San Jose.
1: I don't think Ottawa, in all of those rebuild years, had a season as bad as what San Jose is doing. Like, on almost every metric, it's actually historically bad. Like, worse than the Buffalo teams of the mid-2010s. Just... Not not
0: even expansion Sens years.
1: Not even a, oh, maybe 92, uh maybe ninety two, ninety-three. Okay. That expansion here. But uh no, this is this team is really bad. And uh every day I pray for a team to trade for Anthony Duclair.
0: I know. We need to free him from that hellhole.
1: Cause uh that is uh really something else because like we're talking
0: right now is the they are an internal stop stop he's already dead
1: every day yeah and it's like i just keep watching it i'm like huh i feel bad for anyone who took thomas hurdle with an early pick
0: i mean in fairness it seemed like it would have been a very easy pick right thomas Hurdle, really good player on a bad team yeah i don't
1: think we've ever seen anything quite like that
0: Yeah, it's kind of amazing, eh? When you look at the standings of some of the teams that are doing awful compared to the ones that are doing good, like, who would have predicted Montreal would be almost at the top of the vision right now?
1: Or that Toronto would be in the doldrums that they are. Or Seattle falling off, Edmonton fall. Like, how is is Montreal and Vancouver the only Canadian teams with good vibes?
0: I know. And it's weird when you remember... This is the team last year that completely screwed over Bruce Boudreaux.
1: Yeah, that's so bad. But just, I I mean, I look at the San Jose team and it's like, I I thought they would be better than historically bad given you have like, okay, no, that's kind. The only forward names that I really recognize and are good on this are Hurdle and DeClaire. Hoff, apparently Hoffman got scratched.
0: How bad do you have to be when the San Jose Sharks, the winless San Jose Sharks, decide that you're not good enough to play?
1: Uh, you have to be doing something god-awful is what, I, what I'm seeing.
0: Yeah, but I'll tell you who is not god-awful. It's Florida Panthers forward Matthew DeChuck, who recorded his 500th career goal during the team's game versus the Chicago Blackhawks, a team that we will be talking about next week because of what just came out today. the worst thing
1: is, is that's going to probably get worse over the week. So I'm glad that we're going to hold off on that
0: one. Yeah, because there's so much to uncover here. But you know what? Let's talk about Matthew Duchuk because we've always talked about him, right? When he played in Calgary, very good player, put up the points, goes to Florida. And I do not know where he found that extra gear and turned himself into a superstar.
1: I mean, maybe he just realized he wanted to put the team on his back. Maybe it was... Just didn't want to play Daryl Sutter hockey anymore.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, hell, the Flames didn't even want to play that last year. If you still help that. But then again, the Flames are also a team that's not doing good this year.
1: How does Huberto even, does Huberto even really still exist?
0: No, I think he is becoming the definitive version of a plug.
1: Which is so weird. Yeah, because but... he had that fantastic season in Florida and the yeah, year he before he got traded. There.
0: Like, with him, I don't know what happened to Jonathan Huberto when he goes from becoming a top guy in Florida, he goes to Calgary to become a top guy, and the game just banishes.
1: Yeah. I wonder if the city's just cursed, man. Because, like, well, Cadre Cod- just got lazy.
0: Yeah. D- Not, like, to bring Cat in Ottawa lazy, but, you know, lazy.
1: <laughs> lazy. But it's, like, diff- I don't even know if you can blow up Calgary because – Huberto and Kadri are locked up long-term, right? Yeah. Just Goonie stuff.
0: It's Goonie stuff, but you know what? It's still early, right? The Flames could turn this around, but again, not really holding my breath on that one. Nope. Nope. Now we've got a retirement to talk about, Tim. Florida former Carolina Hurricane Paul Stasny announced his retirement after 17 NHL seasons. Stasny, drafted by Colorado, 44th overall in 2005, Played for five NHL teams: the Colorado Avalanche, St. Louis Blues, two separate tenures with the Winnipeg Jets, the Vegas Golden Knights, and the Carolina Hurricanes, recording 293 goals, 529 assists for 822 points in 1,145.
1: What's so funny about Paul Stastny's retirement is he retired and didn't tell anyone. Yeah. Until somebody reached out, it's like, hey. Are, are you worried about, like, not getting a phone call? He's like, no, I just decided not to sign with anyone. So, yeah, if you're wondering, I retired.
0: That's the ultimate. You know, I, I, for yourself, as a professional in the workforce, there's a term called, was it uh, quiet?
1: Quiet quitting.
0: Quiet quitting? Is that the hockey equivalent of quiet quitting?
1: I think so. What's funny about Paul Stasny, though, is that He's another one of those guys where he was still, he's still someone who had a lot to contribute. And he's just like, you know what? I've been playing this game for 18 years, pushing on 20. It's time.
0: It's time. And you know what? When you go, when you really think about what Paul Stasny, the word that comes to mind is consistent. You go through his years in Colorado, especially when Colorado was not good. He was consistently good. He goes elsewhere and he's consistently good.
1: Yeah, and just throughout his whole career, at worst, he was a second line. He played at the level of a second line center.
0: Yeah. At worst. Well, what I think we don't really talk about enough, though, Tim, about Paul Stasny, really is the fact that he carved out his own shadow, given that the giant shadow of his dad. Yeah. Also, who played for the Colorado-Quebec franchise.
1: Well, it's so funny when you look up Stasny, it's like, did you mean Paul?
0: <laughs> All four of them played for yeah. Quebec. You know, sorry, three of them played for Quebec. Paul played for Colorado.
1: Yeah. So it's, which, did you mean Paul? Maybe, yeah. But what's also funny is just the timing of Paul Stasny getting traded. Traded to Winnipeg in 2017-2018 from St. Louis. St. Louis wins the cup next year. Leaves but leaves Vegas in 2021 for Winnipeg. Vegas wins the cup in 2023. Just he's been on a lot of teams that have had a lot of success. Just sadly not with him.
0: He's the Corey Perry. Yeah, he got Corey perry It's a shame, man. It's a shame.
1: Although he was on that Winnipeg team that did go to the finals. So it's not like he wasn't playing. He was playing garbage hockey the whole time. Like when he was with Winnipeg and Vegas, they were consistently deep in the playoffs. Yeah. So he played when it mattered too. So yeah, yeah it's a well-earned retirement for Paul Stastny. And it's just another one of those guys. who's like, oh, where did the time go? You know?
0: I know, and you know what's funny? It was like with Sidney Crosby playing in his 1200th game. We're getting to this point where the generation of players that we kind of, quote-unquote, grew up with in our teenage to young adult years, they're all starting to get in their late to 30s. They're all getting to the point. I mean, look at our next story. Washington Capitals forward, Nicholas Backstrom, announced he is stepping away from hockey due to injury. Here's a great example of a guy who... We watched his entire career, and now it's almost Probably like over. it's coming to an end.
1: It's sad, too, because who's going to feed Ovi those sick passes?
0: Yeah, who who will get his assist? Yeah, who will do that? What if? I hope you know I completely forgot about that commercial until you brought it up on the show.
1: I love that commercial. It's such
0: a good one, and I completely forgot about it. I feel ashamed.
1: Yeah, don't worry too much about it.
0: Although it's like, as much as I love
1: Backstrom as a player, injuries really hobbled his career. And you could really see it in the last couple of years.
0: Yeah. I mean, even from the handful of games he played this year, you can tell he's still not fully healthy.
1: No. And yeah, he hasn't. I don't think he ever will be at age 36. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But, you know, you got to give him credit for somebody who, and, you know, pro athletes are so competitive. They want to win at all costs. You got to show respect to the ones who say, you know what? My body's just had enough. I, I, I'm i stepping away. I don't fully need this.
1: Yeah. And it's it's sad, too, because it looked like he was going to age gracefully, and then injuries hit at 33, and that's all she wrote.
0: Yeah. And thankfully, he did get a Stanley Cup. I think he's one of those guys, again, and that's something we brought up a couple of weeks ago. We're talking about the most underrated players of our generation. Paul Stasny, again, is another guy you could throw on that list. But Nicholas Backstrom is one of those where I nobody gives him enough credit for how good of a playmaker he was, given the shadow that Ovechkin,
1: Ovechkin cast.
0: yeah.
1: And that's one of the things where it's like, I doubt, despite being a guy with a Stanley Cup, all all rookie team thousand points in a thousand games played i don't think he gets into the hall of fame because he's overshadowed by a game.
0: yeah i mean he really is one of those guys he's like adam Oates, where he could have put up over 100 points and people still would have never given him the credit yeah
1: no that's for sure
0: yeah, And it's a shame, right? When you look at some of the players that we grew up watching as kids and as adults, and they were snubbed for the Hall of Fame for so long and thinking, what's it going to take for this guy? Like, Paul Korea was a great example of this. Exactly a point-per-game player, won a gold medal, was in the Stock Cup Finals. It took him so long to get in the Hall of Fame.
1: Mm-hmm. And the company that Backstrom keeps are probably players who will end up in either already or will end up there using similarity scores by uh, hockey reference. We have Dale Howerchuk, Jonathan Taves, Adam Oates, Mark Messier, Patrick Marlowe, Joe Nua Dyke, Patrice Bergeron. Those are names.
0: Those are names, man.
1: So it's like I, I almost feel like he should. And I can't. And like the lack of. Actually, did Backstrom win an Olympic medal?
0: I don't believe so. I think he was... No, he wouldn't have been on that gold medal team because he got drafted in 2006.
1: No. But it's just a really well... really well-played career. And... Yeah, it's a shame that he's gone.
0: For sure, man. Now, we're going to turn our attention to the big, big news story of this week. Involving the Ottawa Senators, Ottawa Senators General Manager Pierre Doran was relieved after parts of eight seasons. Doran, who was named GM in 2016, was re- re- relieved Sorry, following the news that Ottawa will be forfeiting a first-round pick for the role in the Evgeny Dadunov trade of 2021. You know, here's my main thought when I think of this. You think of news stories like this, and you have to think, does the punishment fit the crime? This does not fit the crime. I, I am so sorry. This does not. Okay. Here's my thing. If this if we're getting a penalty that would have fit the crime, it would have been a fine. I don't here's think the thing. forfeiting a first-round pick, I do not think fits the crime.
1: I think Ottawa should have forfeited a pick. Like from the way that people are describing this. And this is, this is the thing that is so frustrating about. And we talked about this a bit with the Pinto situation. Well, the NHL's secrecy here basically allows them to do whatever the hell heck they want. And fans can't really evaluate it because we can't see the inner machinations. But from what insiders are saying, it looks like the negligence by pure, if it was negligence, it was gross negligence. If it was intentional, that's a problem within itself. Yeah. I, A pick should be lost. What's ridiculous, and this is where, and I do want to talk about this And Lauer news conference that happened same day. It should have happened closer in. Mm -hmm. The sellers should have told Michael And Lauer, and this includes the NHL, by the way, should have told And Lauer that this investigation not only was ongoing, but Vegas and Anaheim were gunning for blood.
0: Same with Shane Pinto, he didn't know anything about this. They didn't, um, they didn't give him that information.
1: Yeah, so it's all of a sudden you have this guy who's buying a team, and well, material information is being omitted from him. And I know I was talking with some of my other friends about this. What will probably happen, even though and Loward Steo said that appealing this would be a fruitless endeavor, what Ottawa will probably do is they'll wait until 2060, 2026, mind you and do what New Jersey did, appeal, and say, hey, the person responsible for this, all the people responsible for this are gone. Yeah. Can we get our pick back?
0: Yeah, or they're going to do what they did with the Devils, where I think they drafted 30th. Or 30th, 30%. yeah. Yeah, honestly, yeah, and that's, the whole thing with the Devils, when they circumvented the draft with Cole, or the Caps, sorry, with Cole the truck, that very much felt like the situation to me.
1: Yeah, and like, That's the funny thing with like this sort of circumvention is it feels like these punishments get announced and then they're walked back. But Pierre Dorian couldn't stay.
0: No. And honestly, and I don't want to sound sacrilegious when I say this, Tim, is that the ice that Pierre Dorian was walking on, it was so thin, he essentially was walking on water.
1: It was incredibly thin. And I've always been a Dorian defender. I feel like his mistakes were not at the same level as the uh, hits that he made.
0: There was no middle ground, though. There
1: was no middle ground.
0: Great, or he flooded completely.
1: The weird thing is, is I'd give him like, oh, for his whole tenure, I'd say he was a B as far as GMs go. But there's just too
0: much like this. That's why I would give him a C plus.
1: Like a C plus or a B or B minus. Yeah. Just the range from brilliant, like the moves range from brilliant to dumb. And there was no in between. And unfortunately, with the Dadanov situation, that is so unprofessional that it cannot stand.
0: No. And you know what? The fans would have absolutely said the same thing as, okay, Doran fucked up. He's losing his job over this. Because that's not a slight oversight. That's a major screw-up. When you lose a first-round pick because of you, your job is you're done. There's the door. Get out.
1: Well, not only the punishment, what he did is an embarrassment to the Ottawa Senators. And, like, that would be fired for cause in most occupations.
0: Yeah, and I know that a lot of people on social media talk about this. I tend to try and take social media as a, for a grain of salt. There's yeah. certain stuff that I read. I'm like, okay, I kind of see where they're going from this. 100%, everybody on social media essentially had the same thought process as, okay, how is it that the Ottawa Senators did this and they lose a pick? The Blackhawks did what they did and they got nothing.
1: And this is, you see a lot of people were like, no, you can't make that comparison, but This just goes to show kind of how screwed up the NHL's sense of justice is. Yeah, Ottawa should have lost the pick. Chicago should have lost multiple picks. Because think about it. This is an organization that got caught covering up a guy molesting multiple prospects, multiple prospects. Arizona lost a pick for tampering with the draft sure yep. that that's warranted. Ottawa loses a pick for misrepresenting the status of a player. yep, perfect fine. Chicago gets nothing for covering up not only covering up a coach molesting multiple prospects, they write him a glowing letter of reference to a university for him to molest more people.
0: yes that's that's incredible. it is. and that's one of the things I mean, there's an argument. And I want to get your take on this. There's an argument. After all of this comes out, is there still an argument that 2010 Stanley Cup Championship can be stripped? Because now, now hear me out on this. Because you're seeing a lot of college programs in the states, they're doing some really shady stuff. They're getting national championships stripped from them. They're getting titles stripped away from them. Yeah, they could have had the absolute book thrown at them for this. they should.
1: Like, straight up, yeah, take the title away. We're talking multiple molestations that the whole team knew about and actively covered up.
0: Yeah, and they made fun of it. That's the thing. They made fun of it in the locker room.
1: Like, straight up, Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane should not be inducted into the Hall of Fame. No, The only player that was on that team that I think and it's like even Marion Hosa is questionable at this point. He, he kind of was- came in in the middle of that, but still, he was part of it. All of those players' careers are tainted, unless it comes up that yeah, they were molested too.
0: Yeah, but the thing is, though, it's that again. I think if that was the case, their careers would have been way less. Counterpoint, Theo Fleury? That's exactly what I was going to say. Flurry is the exception to every rule.
1: But like, where does this conversation go? If like, they turned out that just Patrick Kane was molested. It's such a brutal case. And yeah, honestly, I agree with you that the title should be stripped. That That is an embarrassment to the NHL.
0: Yeah. And you know what? Baseball, they had it too. They, I think, I can't recall which team it is from like 1910s. Oh, the Black Sox. The Black Sox. They had a cheating scandal. No, they had a
1: rigging scandal. They were throwing games for the purposes of bookies.
0: Yep. I mean, Pete Rose. Pete Rose got banned, and he's not in the Hall of Fame. And he's the all-time hit leader. And that's what I have to go back to. is like, does the punishment fit the crime? Because every league is hypocritical in every way. NHL is baseball was, football is, basketball is. All of them. what do you have? Well, let's see, you had the uh, refing scandal that screwed Sacramento out of the title. You had steroids, you had CTE, and now you got the Blackhawks.
1: Like, here's the thing. I still think Ottawa should lose a pick for this.
0: Yeah, but not a first round pick. I'm sorry. I... but
1: Chicago should be dealing with way fucking worse. Like, here's the thing. What Ottawa is guilty of what they did. But man, when all Chicago gets away with is a slap on the wrist fine, two million bucks. And a bunch of guys who aren't even in the team anymore are pushed out of the league. That is unconsciousable.
0: No, and I don't strip the titles. Well, even I believe it was either early this year or last year. I believe it was Andrew Shaw came out. Because they were not going to do any celebration thing for the 2013 Blackhawk team. They go, oh, what is this? It's 10 years. We're not getting honored. Read the fucking room.
1: Yeah, Dorian deserved to get fired. Just straight up.
0: He absolutely did. And you know what? I'm, I was very much on the fence whether I had to do the Vince McMahon, you're fired. But you know what? There's been conflicting reports whether he got fired or he resigned. I mean. He got relieved. It's the same
1: thing. True, but... It just means that he gets to keep a severance package if there is one.
0: Yeah, but I'm not going to do it for this one. If there is a coach firing in the future, you know, I'll bring it up. But you did mention the Michael Anlauer press conference, and you know what? I did watch a little bit of it. He did make the comments. He says that, why am I the one being punished? Yep. The NHL withheld information, and the Melnicks held uh, on him. Two thoughts. Number one, is Michael Anlauer, because he was the information was withhold. Could he file a lawsuit against the league? Probably, yeah. Will, Will he? he? Who knows? Yeah. And second thought. In that press conference, after all of this was done, if some reporter had said, if it was Ian Mendez or whatever, said to Michael and Michael, what do you make of this? If he just looked at everyone and says, you know what? This is fucking bullshit. And walked off the stage. Nobody would have blamed him.
1: Nope. And... You could kind of tell he was at that point, but at the same time, it was impressive that he managed to be incisive without crossing any lines.
0: Yeah, and you got to give him credit for that, right? Because if this was Eugene Melnick, all hell would have broken loose. But Michael Adlauer, I don't, like I said, we don't know the, the man personally. From what I understand, he seems like a great guy. Very even keel sort of guy, but you know what? You can tell looking at him, he was not happy. And not he at all. was trying to be respectful, but you can tell frustration was up there.
1: Oh, yeah. And now the GM search is on. The rumor mill was running, mm-hmm. and it seemed like it was going to be Peter Schiarelli At that point, I was like, oh. man, let's just bring back Dorian. But... It looks like some other names, including Darsh from Tampa Bay, are on the list of people that will be considered. And uh, Steo seems to be committed to a long, proper process.
0: Yeah, and Darsh and Darshay does seem. If I'm gonna, if I'm a betting man, which I'm not, because you know gambling gets. If I was a betting man, my money, hear me, out, would be on Darshay, because he fits every box that Michael Anlauer wants. He wants somebody who's bilingual. He wants somebody who's been a part of winning organizations. He was he's been in Tampa Bay. He's been with Michael Adlauer and Ham, I believe in Hamilton with the junior team. He's also worked for Michael Anlauer. Yeah. And he's got the money to pay for this now. It's not like Melnick, where he goes out and hires a DJ Smith because he's cheap. Yeah. Or a Pierre Doran because he's cheap. Michael Lauer can. Afford to pay this, and the nice thing about it is, and something I didn't add, Michael Adler officially sold his stake in the Habs. Yep. So there's two hundred and three, two hundred fifty. <clears throat> That's a big chunk of change, right there, nine yep. figures.
1: Money we'll never see, but hopefully it goes right back into the sense.
0: Which I know he he'll he will he most definitely will. Do you have any more comments you want to make on that story, Tim? No. Okay. Okay, so um, quick audible here. I've got a couple more news stories. Do you want to talk about these, or do you just want to head into the games?
1: Uh, we should cover them.
0: Okay, so we're going to be waiting to talk about the Ottawa Senators, and we're also going to be talking about a great guy in Wayne Gretzky because Wayne Gretzky and Northland have partnered to make affordable hockey sticks. Northland will be selling a three-pack of sticks starting at ninety-nine dollars.
1: That's pretty cheap for sticks.
0: Here's the thing when I was reading this, because a lot of towns and a lot of cities in Canada have Canadian tires, correct? Yep. Have you ever gone down the sports section and see some of the sticks they have there? Nope. Go down one of them someday. You will see those old school wooden sticks that are like, I don't know, 15 freaking pounds in in your hands. Those things are like 40 bucks. I get why Gretzky and Northline wants to do this, right? They yeah. want to make hockey affordable because hockey is a notoriously expensive sport. So good on them. I mean, good on Wayne Gretzky. You yeah. Know, when you're the great one and at 60, I believe he's 62 or 63 now. He's been out of the NHL for over 25 years. He's still giving back to the game.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully they can figure out how to make skates or some of the protective equipment cheaper too.
0: Actually, it was kind of cool. I actually saw on Instagram somebody, I want to say it was a mock-up. Do you remember the old school Nike Sergei Fedorov skates, the white ones? Oh, those were cool. Somebody did a mock-up of those as uh, inline skates. Nice. I I saw that and I was like, just take my money. (laughs) (laughs) Sergey Fedorov, man, that guy had so much swag to him. It was amazing. The white skates, the flowing hair. Honestly, yeah. It was great. Canada Post has unveiled a stamp honoring former Boston Bruins forward, Willie O'Ree.
1: Never been a stamp collector, but it's good to see Willie O'Ree getting a lot of the recognition for what
0: really was
1: a pretty impressive achievement to just kind of break the color barrier, not kind of to break the color barrier.
0: Yeah. And it's funny because Willie O'Ree, he broke the color barrier in Canada about a decade before, or sorry, a decade after Jackie Robertson did with Montreal which that kind of seems like that doesn't get mentioned enough that he played minor league baseball in Montreal because people think of him with the Brooklyn Dodgers, but no, well, he played up in Montreal.
1: That's kind of a cool little uh, piece of memorabilia for, memorabilia for Montreal to kind of celebrate.
0: It did, man. it For sure. Now we're going to stick with the Boston Bruins as their defenseman, Charlie McIntyre was suspended four games from an illegal hit. To the head on Oliver Ekman Larson. Yep, I would give him four games. I you know how I feel. I hate those kind of hits, man.
1: And this there was no reason for this. It was pure cheap shot. Puck was pretty far away from OEL.
0: Yeah. There's two kinds of hits I hate in hockey. Headshots and when you go after somebody's knees. Because those yep. are two injuries you fully don't recover from. Yep.
1: Do you want to talk about an even worse hit?
0: Yes, sir. Calgary Flames forward, Andrew Mangiapati, was suspended one game for a cross-check to Sal Kraken forward, Jared McCann.
1: I can't believe this only got one. Like, this should have gotten more because, like, I get it. He got a match penalty early in the game, so it was effectively a two-game suspension, but you are talking about a guy who is prone, defenseless on the ice. The play is completely gone. You don't cross-check him! That should be more
0: than the back of hit. Like, straight up. Yeah, but you know what? If if the Kraken players had fully seen that, Magic Potty could have gotten his ass just kicked right then and there.
1: Because oh, there was at cheat.
0: least, what, two or three Kraken players around him.
1: That is something that cannot be in the game of hockey.
0: No, and it's such a cheap shot, and I hate those kind of hits. You know... A lot of people for the last 35, 40 years, they've always they always hated on Don Cherry. But those are one of the kind of hits that he always talked about on Coach's Corner. He hated those kind of hits. He always called those players out. And there were certain players who kind of took offense to what Grape said and got up in his face about it. Yeah. and
1: But admittedly, they deserved it.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, unfortunately, the, when the day comes when Don Cherry does pass away a lot of the stuff we could probably talk about but until then Tim I guess that wraps up top of the air for this week which can mean only one thing it's time to head off into the games now we have only got two games to talk about we've got the Kings versus the Senators and the Lightning versus the Senators but before we do that let's hit the music it's time to play the game time to play the game Okay, Tim, let's start talking about the Kings versus the Senators. This is a 3 to 2 Kings victory. Kings goes recorded by Philip Danino, Carl Grundstrom, and Anze Kopitar. Senators were scored by Dominique Kubelik and Josh Norris. Shots were 38 26 for the Kings. And you knew this was going to be an automatic loss. We're playing a former goaltender. This time it was Cam Talbot.
1: What do you mean? To be fair, it's not like Cam Talbot was an absolute world beater with a 0.93. Ottawa just really didn't come out to play. They scored about what you would expect. And Corpus Allo made this game look respectable. And uh, with three shots going off the crossbar for LA, it could have been a lot
0: worse. Oh my god, well that one shot where... Who was it? uh, Kempe? He straight up had a wide open net and he hit the far cross or the far post. Yep. That's got to be the most gut punching thing ever. You're just like, God, how did I miss that?
1: One thing you could really see in this game is. With Grieg Kubelika, sorry, Grieg and Kastelik out. Mm -hmm. After about two to three minutes in the third. Gas out of the tank. You could also tell that Clevin and Matt, Matt and Paolo are not ready for prime time. Yeah. Playing nine and seven minutes, respectively. Shikrin played half an hour.
0: Yeah, he's playing Shabbat numbers right now.
1: Yeah, and you could tell as the game goes on that these plays are getting sloppier and sloppier. Sanderson playing 26, JBD playing 25, Hamannick at 18.
0: Yeah, I mean, let me ask you, what did you think of JBD? Because from what I was seeing, now obviously I didn't get a chance to watch the game. I was doing some adulting, had to go to Costco. But for what I was seeing with JBD on the condensed game, it seemed like he wasn't positionally sound. It just kind of seemed like he was trying to chase.
1: I think, I think he would be fine with an adequate, a proper load for his skill level, like playing third line minutes, but at twenty five. No. And uh, I just have not been a fan of club. Like Clevin, the skating isn't there.
0: Yeah. Do you think he's still just too young?
1: I think it's too, it might be a mix of too young and needs a skating coach. The reeds don't seem too bad. And I think there's an NHL player in Clevin, but just not right now. And uh, Matt and Paolo. But then again, we're talking about players that are playing like less than 10 minutes.
0: Yeah. I mean, what can you do with, Less than 10 minutes, right?
1: Like, honestly, it might be worth giving Clevin, give him, give him in Mantapalo either 17, like, give him seven more minutes, see what they do with it. Take some time off of uh, Sanderson and Shikrin.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because you're going to end up burning these guys out.
1: Yeah. And like, the other thing is, is maybe give Gwinnett a try. Because these guys, you're going to burn them out. It yep. looks like Zoop might be back. Uh, he said he'll be. He says he wants to play for Wednesday.
0: Yeah, and the nice thing about the Sins on the back end with their injuries is that Eric Brastrom is skating in. He's in yeah. his yellow non, non no contact jersey, which is really nice. Artem Zub, like you mentioned, he was going to be coming back. I do think though that Jonas Koprasalo, again playing against his former team, I think he deserved a way better fate. than what thirty five saves, point nine two one save percentage. I thought he looked very good in this game.
1: Yeah, he's the only thing that held Ottawa in this one. And the forwards just... Like, admittedly, they were playing with 10 forwards. That's not a recipe for success. No. But just the forwards really weren't there. And the only one who really showed up was Kachuk.
0: Yeah, although you gotta give Dominic Kubalik some credit because he has now fined a scoring touch.
1: Yeah. It's just weird that... uh It took until now, and hopefully he pots a few, because otherwise he just hasn't really been there for the Sens either. Yeah, But the Sens just haven't been good.
0: Yeah, and I think that's been a problem, which, and we were talking about this off-air, it's that as beat up as we are on the back end, outside of really great, we're healthy on the front end.
1: Yeah, and it just... I think part of it is... Among the defensemen injured, you've lost Ottawa's two best players at breaking the puck out of the zone in Shabbat and Branstrom. Yeah. The Senators really miss those two players. Anyone who says you can trade Branstrom really didn't appreciate what Branstrom does for the team. Anyone who says that you could trade Shabbat is out of their mind. Yeah. Sanderson isn't quite there yet. He's good, but not quite there yet to be the top guy. Mm-hmm. As we've seen where he, the guy's under relentless pressure because he, him and Shikrin are the only really reliable defensemen healthy right now.
0: Yeah. And, and I swear, if God help us, if one of those two get injured.
1: Yeah. Especially before Shabat's back.
0: Yeah. So I only have, have one more comment I want to make on this game before we head off into the second and final game of the evening. Is those LA King jerseys. You know, I you know how I feel about the Gretzky era King jerseys. I love them. I
1: love the Chrome Dome.
0: I'm not, I don't know where I stand on the Chrome Dome. It's so fun. It's I don't know. And it, it makes that jersey pop. They really do. And I think that's the big problem. And I think I want to say I've mentioned this in the past about the King jerseys, is that there's a handful of teams in the NHL. I think they need a rebrand. Not team-wise, jersey-wise. Those LA King jerseys they're using now, the one from the early 2010s, is tired. It's tired and it's time for a change. Bring I'm
1: back five, the Burger King.
0: Oh, can you imagine <laughs> they bring <laughs> the Burger King of those jerseys? Oh my god. I'm amazed. Like
1: Burger King like, and the chrome dove. Let's go.
0: Oh god. Tim. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. But it's one of those things where it's like, I like the Kings. In black and silver, I I I know that they're Raider colors, but I do associate them with the LA Kings. Although I would not be opposed if they did black and purple, like they did in the two thousands.
1: Black and purple is just a smart color combo. Yo, why don't you why do you go back to the pink and sorry the purple and yellow, like? See what you could do. Maybe mash up some of like the LA Lakers kind of color scheme. Well, I guess it is the Lakers color scheme. Kind of mix in some of that. You could get yeah. something pretty cool with the Kings. Maybe it's
0: like a third, maybe a third jersey like that. Yeah, but I don't know. I've never been crazy about the the purple and gold for Kings. I I do associate them with like black and silver or black and purple. Yeah. Okay, Tim, let's move on and talk about the second and final game of the evening. Lightning versus Senators. This is a 6-4 to four Lightning victory. Lightning goes to scored by Braden Point with a hat-trick, Victor Hedman, Michael Isamont, and Nikita Kucherov. Sens goes to scored by Brady Chuk two, Claude Giroux, and Drake Batherson. Shots were 37-28 for the Lightning. Legit, we've been doing this show for seven seasons. This is the second time in our history... I actually turned the game off. When the Senators went down 4-1, to I looked at Katrina, we were on the couch, and I said, you know what? I am not watching this. Because I was absolutely embarrassed watching this. I understand we're beat up on the back end. The Senators looked awful in this game. Yep.
1: Just completely disorganized.
0: Completely disorganized. But Tampa Bay... Didn't even need to really try. Because we tried to break up the pass. Tampa just t- picked it off.
1: Yeah. Like, for most of that second period, Ottawa couldn't get out of their own end.
0: Yeah. And if they did, they were dumping and chasing.
1: It was dumping and chase. And it's like, the f- what's frustrating is, like, you'd have the, the defense are handling the puck as if they're Travis Hamannick. Yes. Like, if you hold the puck for longer than three seconds, you explode. There's no forward support, or the forwards are just not where they're really supposed to be. So the defensemen have no real option. So they're trying to aerial pass over guys. And when they are trying to pass, they just can't thread it.
0: Nobody. And this is, again, I want to stress this point is that even though we're beat up on the back end, we're not beat up up front outside of really Greg. Everybody's healthy. Brady's healthy. Stutz is healthy. Norris, Bath. Claude Giroux everybody's healthy I'm watching this going like why are we dumping and chasing the puck I know that and we'll talk about it with the Brady's comments after this game is that I completely understand why the fans want DJ fired when you have all this talent up front and everybody is healthy why are you playing dump and chase hockey we are not no a reason. rebuilding team we have our core we have our players in set stop dumping chasing the puck actually play the puck
1: like, teach them how to support the puck on a breakout. Like, watching Tampa Bay just pick up a dumped puck, skate, establish zone, and cycle. Mm-hmm. Ottawa can do that. We saw them do that against Washington. We saw them do it against Philadelphia. We even saw them do it against Detroit. It's just like this: the team just doesn't seem to want to carry a puck, shoot, or establish zone time, or even really play their zone right.
0: I don't know why, like, is it, do they think that because they're beat up on the back end that they can't do this?
1: I really don't know what's going on with this team right now.
0: Like, and that's the thing I understand. And again, um talking about Bree's comments, which we'll talk about here in a second, but again, social media completely melted down after this game, the fire DJ chance, which has been happening a couple of times this year, but you know what? It is time to replace them. And I'm sorry, but when you have all this talent up front and everybody is healthy, you should not be playing dump and chase hockey. You should not be trying to be conservative, not trying to look at this team as we are rebuilding or this is a group of kids that we got to teach. Guess what? This is not working, DJ. The different, you know, insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different result. That's what he's doing. And this is why I am fully on board of firing DJ at this point.
1: Right. I still don't like the crowd chant. Like chanting fire the coach in the middle of the game is Bush League.
0: But you know what? When your team goes down 4-1, the Sens are playing horribly. The fans are frustrated. And we've had had enough. Just Leave. Okay, you know what, let's talk about the Brady comments after this. Because Brady straight up called out the fans. And you know what, he's an emotional guy. He's an emotional leader. I get where he's coming from. But I honestly wonder if that's something either Ann Lauer or somebody from the organization pulls him aside and says, Brady, I get you're frustrated. I get this. But you can't do this. You can't do this in front of the media.
1: Yeah. Well, it's like, I get it. He wants to defend the coach, but who knows?
0: Yeah. And look at the locker room he's in right now. He's got Claude Giroux, a guy who not only played in the toughest market, or one of the toughest markets in, in sports, but he was the captain in that market. Do you have any idea how much criticism he probably got in that city? Oh, you yeah. pulled Brady aside a bit. looking kid, this is how you properly do this.
1: I'm a little surprised, but it's... It's annoying. I'd rather the fans not chant fire, fire X, especially... It it was gutless when Vancouver did it. It was gutless when New Jersey fans did it. At least the New Jersey fans had the decency to apologize.
0: Which is hilarious. Give it that. That's pretty funny. And I like it.
1: But yeah, like... It's gutless. I get I get the fans booing, and there's not much you can do about that one. Yeah. The effort just wasn't there. But what we'll, we'll probably see DJ for at least another week or two.
0: Yeah, but you've got to realize, especially what's happened with Pierre Doran, what's gonna break the camel's back with DJ?
1: The thing that I wonder is given that Steve staos is interim GM. Does he want to let the the real GM pick his coach? And how many quality coaches are willing to come in under an interim GM? Like there might be real there might be real rigidities here.
0: Yeah, and it's one of those things. And you know what? I didn't actually think about this, but it's one of those things where there's a handful of big names. The big one's Claude Julian. Yeah. Would Claude Julian come to Ottawa if there's Steve Stales as a interim GM.
1: Yeah, like would you willingly take a interim title?
0: No, because he could honestly say, you know what? Yeah, no, I can go coach coach elsewhere.
1: Yeah. And would Boost Broutreau? No, I don't think so.
0: No. One name that's been thrown around, and there's some resistance from fans, Jacques Martin.
1: The guy is out of hockey for years.
0: Yeah, but here's my thing with Jacques Martin. If you recall when he was a head coach in Ottawa the first time, great regular season, we had all this talent, all this good stuff going for him. How many times did we end up losing in the first round with him? How many times did we end up losing to Toronto? Yeah. That's what's going to be the big red flag right there, is he did not he got past the second round once.
1: Well, the other thing is the NHL's changed. His last stint in Pittsburgh was uh, questionable. It's just so boomer-brained. The only one that kind Gerard Gallant, although you do have to worry about developing young players with Gerard Gallant. It just won't happen with him as coach.
0: No that's a good point but I mean in fairness he's been in worse situations. he was a head coach in Columbus
1: he managed to take that uh Vegas team pretty far
0: yep and you know what and you know what happened to him fired
1: fired fired in New York and I think Elaine Vigneault is retired yep so it's like I just think we probably don't see a new head coach until a GM's hired for better or for worse.
0: I think for me, I want to make two two more comments before we head off into the close here, Tim. Number one, with DJ Smith, who pulls him aside and be like, okay, DJ, you are going to be the head coach for now, but you need to change your style. You need to stop doing this dump and chase hockey. You need to stop doing what you're doing because it's not working. That's what's frustrating... And I don't speak for all the fans. I'm speaking for myself. That's what's frustrating with DJ Smith is that he does the dump and chase style hockey. He's been doing all this stuff for years. It's not working. We, again, we are not a rebuilding team. We are not a team that's trying to go for a top draft pick right now. We are a team essentially that's looking to make the playoffs. Yeah. That style of hockey does not work. You need to have a closed door meeting with either Steve Stails or the team and be like, okay, what is wrong and how can I fix this? Cause this is his job. Yeah. The lose. pretty much. And with Dorian gone, the heat's on him now.
1: Yeah. Like there's just, that's the next logical piece is fire the coach. Yeah.
0: And the final comment I want to make here, Tim, and it's kind of a silly thing, but I don't know if you've been following the last couple of years in the sports world. In baseball, the Texas Rangers won a World Series.
1: Yeah, for the first time.
0: First time. In football, there was a gentleman named Kirk Cousin. He was the quarterback from the Minnesota Vikings. Now he currently has an Achilles injury, but he was having a terrible start to his year, and then he had a big turnaround. Now you might be asking yourself, now Tay, you, what do both of these things have in common? Obviously, there's two very different sports, two different situations. There's one theme in both of these, and I think maybe there's a third team that could potentially help with this. Okay. Both of these situations have been credited to the music of Creed.
1: All right.
0: The Texas Rangers came out during the World Series – And they were saying the reason why that they went from, I think they lost hundred games last year to winning the world series. They had a loose locker room. They were, and they were playing Creed. (laughs) Her cousins at the beginning of this season was having a terrible start. And then pregame, he started listening to Creed in his pregame routine. He started doing really well until up until he got injured. So I got to post the question. You can argue it's maybe a discussion point. Is creed gonna be the thing that turns the Ottawa Senators around? You know what?
1: If a dumb thing happens in the NHL, it happens to the senators. So yeah, why not?
0: Buddy, I want to will this into existence. I made I put up the tweet the other day about it, and you know what? I want to will this into existence. That creed is the reason the Sens have a turnaround. Yeah, yeah,
1: that'd be incredible.
0: Yeah, and they're gonna do it with with arms wide open. And we're not gonna be torn, but it's gonna be an ode.
1: Are you just gonna just keep dropping lyrics like that?
0: I mean, it's my sacrifice to do it, buddy. Ah, uh, Creed. That's really amazing, eh? I did not have that in 2023 that Creed was gonna become a re- become relevant again.
1: I forgot Creed even existed,
0: dude. Creed announced last week they're going on tour, and they're gonna have three doors down and a and a revolving backup bands including Daughtry, who I completely forgot about. There's Daughtry, there's Big Rack, there's all kinds of quote-unquote butt-rock bands, which I'm going to say right now, and I'm going to give it Butt-rock's to... a fun genre. Here's the thing. I'm going to give some credit to, I don't know if it was the Millennials or Gen Z that came up with this term. I think a more appropriate term, because I never liked the term butt-rock. Now, there's certain bands that it applies to, like puddle of mud and saliva i think a better name for it Tim, uh-huh. dad rock
1: that's what it is at this point
0: it is what it is i think that's a great term for it and that's so fitting i hope that the listeners are gonna listen to this and be like "Tay, that sounds ridiculous but also they hope that creed is what turns this shit around
1: yeah i just love how the term butt rock
0: exists yeah, I mean, punk Rock is... It's a fitting term for certain bands, but I think as an umbrella, it doesn't work. <laughs> because there are certain bands that I just don't think fit under this. Like, Three Doors Down, I don't think fits under that. I don't agree with... Well, people put Nickelback on that, and I kind of sort of see that. I think Creed is the one that I don't think kind of fits it. Yeah. Because the only... Downside to Creed is the vocals of Scott Stapp. That baritone yarling. And I said this to Adam on our podcast. I said, you know what? If you look at if you take Scott Stapp out of Creed, Creed's music is looked upon more favorably, but I think they're less interesting. That's fair. Yeah.
1: Post grunge is just such a weird genre.
0: It is. Like, again, Adam and I were talking about this. We were just naming bands. And I said, one of the bands that would do definitely fit in butt rock, Silverchair.
1: Silverchair, Breaking Benjamin.
0: Oh, brutal.
1: Matchbox 20. I forgot they existed.
0: Matchbox 20. Yeah, they were weird, man. They were one of those bands that I think... The general public probably would have looked at them and says, okay, this might be the next kind of sort of big thing. Because they kind of have like a Goo Goo Dolls sort of thing to them.
1: I just don't remember what they
0: did. Yeah. I remember, the only thing I remember about Fox 20 is that their lead singer did that song with Santana.
1: Right. That's smooth. I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think of other just rock bands.
0: Oh, buddy, There's so many. I mean...
1: The band that did the music for Sonic the Hedgehog was referred to as Butt Rock?
0: Buckcherry. That's what I'm thinking of. They didn't do the Sonic thing, but they're Butt Rock. That's Butt Rock. Yeah. Awful. Awful stuff. What about Hinder? Do you remember Hinder? No. Uh, Lips of an Angel? That's a terrible song. It was so bad. I
1: I don't understand how Millennium... All teenagers put up with the music from like 1999 to 2007 because that was like the peak of butt rock and new metal and emo, yeah, just garbage.
0: But there was, but there was good stuff that came out of it. A lot of people look back on the garage rock stuff of like the hives and the strokes pretty favorably, okay,
1: fair, but then you also have green day
0: yeah i was gonna say some 41
1: some 41 do you remember good charlotte
0: god dude gob and billy talent went on tour they came to victoria like a couple of weeks ago
1: why billy talent why
0: was billy talent popular billy talent is one of those bands that i don't mind their music but i was never a diehard fan it's like i was the the vocalist i hate the vocalist i band that Dang, dang, dang. He's a yeah. really high pitched fucking. I hate that guy's voice. It's
1: like the voice, and that the lyrics are not as deep as they think they are. Yeah. And I just have no patience for that, especially when the singer has such a particular voice that they just kind of get in there and like, that's dumb. Grating. It's grating, and what you're saying is dumb. Go away.
0: Yeah, it's like a lot of the butt rock bands. Like, I would even say, and I said this to Adam, Scott Stapp, for what you may want to think of him as a vocalist, he was a very, very convincing frontman. Because if you look at the time Creed came out and became popular, there was nobody like him. Because every band at that time, whether it was Jonathan Davis or Chino Moreno, even Fred Durst was, like, the, maybe the closest thing to that of like maybe a front man, but he was such of his time. And Scott was such a powering front man that you can tell this guy was a rock star.
1: Well, it really was like a, because like none of the, like the emo bands didn't really have front men. They had like. They had vocalists. They had vocalists, but it's like the face of Fall Out Boy was Pete Wentz. And he just kind of faded into the background on stage, eh?
0: Yeah, like there were certain bands, like I would say Serge Tankian for System of a Down was a good frontman.
1: Yeah, I'll give him that.
0: Chad Kroger from Nickelback, that guy had a personality. Give him that. I, I'm going to give him that. He is a terrible singer, but he's a very convincing frontman.
1: Yeah, like you'll put away the vocals because watching about the stage is legitimately interesting.
0: Yeah, like if speaking about. Creed, if you go back and watch their performance of Woodstock 99, one, you forget how rid- just ridiculous those clothes are. Like, Mark Tremonti, the guitar player, he always wore outfits. He looked, this is the best way to describe it. Him and Scott Staff, they both look like little kids wearing their parents' clothes. Just so baggy yeah. and big on them. Oh, this was a fun conversation, Tim. Oh, butt rock. So, Tim, do you have any more comments you want to make before we head off into the close for another episode? We should just get
1: Chad Kroger to coach the Ottawa Senators.
0: Oh, no. And
1: Scott get Scott Justin Bieber to replace Sheldon Keefe.
0: Although, get Scott Stafford but...
1: Toronto came back.
0: Oh, my God. It's 5-4 Toronto. This team, I swear to God, man. I swear to God. <laughs> oh god this is a great episode well guys thank you so much for listening to the third line plug sam's cast. i hope you enjoyed it because believe me tim and i love recording it for you you can find the show on itunes spotify soundcloud and google play as well you can find us on social media at third line plug you can find me also on social media at great white gibster that's gr8 WYT gibster and you can find tim on twitter at m901 honey badger so, Tim, for the games to come, we've got three games to talk about. And the first Battle of Ontario for 2023-2024. Wednesday night, we're going to be in Toronto to play the Leafs. Thursday, we return home to play the Vancouver Canucks, And Saturday, we take on the Calgary Flames at home.
1: I mean, the Senators better find a way to get two out of three on this trip or... Sorry, this stretch of games, or there's gonna be problems. I'm
0: Joan Reston, guys. I'm your host, Tim and
1: And this has been Tim
0: Jensen. Woo!